Welcome to Consumed, the podcast about people who eat things, drink things, think things, and make things. So, you know, everybody. I'm Jamie Lewis, and this seventh season, I speak with folks across California, from Chico to Santa Barbara, Humboldt and Grass Valley to Los Angeles. But always at the heart of it is the Central Coast. I hope you get to hear them all. Thank you for listening. Many thanks to my friend, James Onaveros for supporting the work of this podcast. James is the force behind the family of wines known as Ranchos de Anaveros in the Santa Maria Valley. And because all of our friends in the food and drink industry need a boost right now, I'm going to talk about how you can get your hands on some of his wine this winter. For the holidays, wine is the perfect locally made, handmade gift that directly supports those who work to produce it. And for January 1st and beyond, Drinking beautiful Burgundy-inspired Chardonnay and Pinot Noir is the perfect way to celebrate what we're all hoping is a kinder and gentler year. Visit the website for information on how to order Rancho Steanaveros wines, which can be shipped or delivered to your porch for free if you live around Santa Barbara County. To see what's available and to make your order, visit ranchosteanaveros.com. Cheers! Consumed is also sponsored in part by Slow Life Magazine, which has been sharing the stories of the San Luis Obispo community for over a decade. I write the food column for Slow Life, and most recently I covered dishes made from ingredients that aren't always common here on the Central Coast. I'm considering writing about Bao's steamed buns for the next column, but what do you think? Hit me up on the contact page at letsgetconsumed.com with your ideas for what to cover next. And if you want Slow Life Magazine delivered to your door every other month, visit slowlifemagazine.com. Penny Monroe and Morgan Monroe are two of the three brains behind Hush Harbor Bakery in Atascadero, California. They are mother and daughter, and the third brain belongs to their husband and father, Donnie Monroe, who is so busy baking he rarely leaves the oven. The Monroe's family bakery began when Donnie tried to recreate breads and meals at home from his international travels as an aerospace engineer. When he opted for an early retirement, the family moved from Southern California to the Central Coast, where they'd always enjoyed camping and traveling. They call it Hush Harbor after an old name for secret spiritual gatherings held by slaves in the antebellum South. Learn about their love for music, including Morgan's incredible singing voice and her band, the Monroe. Penny and Morgan also talk about Hush Harbor's beautiful sourdough breads, what it's like to encounter a difficult guest at the bakery, and why Morgan begged her parents to make sloppy joes like everybody else's parents when her friends came over as kids. Here's the discussion I shared with Penny Monroe and Morgan Monroe. Penny and Morgan Monroe, thank you so much for having a Zoom chat with me this afternoon. Thanks for having us. Course. So, Thank you for inviting us, Jamie. Yes, and you know, we tried to get this going last season, and it was just, you were so, so busy. I could hear it in your voice. I remember trying to schedule it. Did you ever get over that busyness? Did you ever go over the hump? Well, I, I think we all were kind of at a point with, you know, you're talking about three months ago, so that kind of put us right in the covid line of trajectory trying to figure out what's going on and um, really trying to get back into the swing of everything. So yeah, we did make it over the hump and I think, you know, we have a, a routine as much as you can have one these days and kind of settled in. Yeah. Yeah. How has that affected you in terms of 
I mean, are you are you putting out as much stuff as you used to? Um, no. Uh, I think we've had to make some adjustments and, you know, as we go around town and frequent the places that we go to, um, you know, you notice where people are not doing everything that they used to do, kind of taking shortcuts, mm-hmm. um, cut back on offerings, um, and you just are trying to make it work with the people that you have. You know, that plays a part in it, too, as far as uh, your staffing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's just kind of a snowball. Yeah. So you're just trying to, you know, do it a day at a time. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we're kind of in the same boat with with everybody, just trying to figure out what you have and how you can make it work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Morgan, how has it impacted you? Because you work at the bakery. Um, mm-hmm. How does that change your life? Um, you know, I comparing myself to a lot of uh, other friends that I have and in their situations, I feel like I've been extremely blessed um, to, to just know that I have a job. Um, I couldn't imagine working for a large corporation and just being like in the unsurety of day to day and not knowing kind of what's going on. You know, we communicate, we just take hurdle by hurdle and just get through. We don't, you know, my mom's biggest thing is try not to think too far ahead because you'll make yourself sick. You just got to, take it week by week and like today we found out you know we couldn't feed inside and yeah. you just roll with the punches you pick up the silverware and you you know you wrap stuff to go and keep it moving so if anything I've just learned to um you know not live so much day to day in uh fear and too many expectations just going with the flow and trying not to worry too much and mm-hmm. just being grateful that I have a job and that, you know, the community has really stepped up in making it a statement that they are behind Hush Harbor. They want us here. They love our family. And, you know, we get so much of that every day. It's It really is the 17 years shows itself. 17 <laughs> so, years. Wow. Yeah, we've been really lucky, and I feel like we're blessed for sure. Yeah. So talk to me about the, the beginnings of Hush Harbor Bakery. Why did you decide to open, a, a you know, what I think of as a French style, at the, especially at the beginning, um, bakery in Atascadero, California. That's that's a risk, it, you know, taking a risk as far as I see it. But how would you decide to do that? Well, um, initially we we would come up here and camp, and that's how we got became familiar with the area, uh, camping at Lake Nacimiento and San Antonio. Uh, we'd bring our jet skis and our tent or our camper and come up here and, you know, just really have some really great, <clears throat> memorable times. And um, so that's how we decided that we wanted to retire in the area, bought a piece of property, uh, thinking that we would per our plans, and there's a saying somewhere out there about your plans versus God's plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, Donnie, after 10 years of international travel, uh, Donnie decided he wanted to volunteer for an early layoff, mm-hmm. and um, or a voluntary layoff. And uh, so we were like, well, why wait? Let's just go up there. 
And through his travels, he would, you know, he experienced a lot of food from all over the world. And Europe was one of his favorite. And so the breads were just had really made an impression. And um, there was a bakery called Simple Simon's. It's still there in Riverside. And he would commute from work two and a half hours. He's working in Torrance. We lived in Riverside. He'd get out of the van, get in the car, go back to Riverside, and uh, buy bread for a dinner he wanted to recreate for us that he had had in Europe. Wow. And not just any bread would do. So uh, that's how we became exposed to, or that's where he got the idea of being the engineer that he is, that he could do the breads. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when the layoff came about and I said, Donnie, what are we going to do? He said, let's just open up a bakery. Let's do simple Simon's. And, uh, okay. And so he went to school and, uh, I became anxious and sick and everything else that you do before you let go of two good paying jobs up for 20 years in aerospace. And we just headed on up here. Wow. And you both were in aerospace. We both were in aerospace. Okay. Do you have an engineering background too? I have a business background. And so I was in contracting and procurement and that kind of of thing. Well, it's funny because um, that really, those two careers very much extend into how you are now at Hush Harbor with him being, you know, the tinkerer and the guy in the back, the, you know, the engineering brain. I'm married to one. I know that brain very well. And then, and then you, and it's a brain. It's a big brain, brain. but it's a specific Uh kind of brain. Um, It is. And then you, with your, you know, the people skills and the the workflow skills and all of that come into the front of house there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's such a common thing that engineers wind up dropping everything and becoming bread bakers. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, for one, they have the mindset for it because it does take that kind of thinking and mindset. Um, it's not an easy thing, baking. Mm. It's a lot of chemistry. There's a lot of math. There's a lot of going back to the drawing board, figuring, you know, tested it too much water, too much uh, oxygen, too much this, too much that. And I've watched him over the years, and that's right up his alley yeah. to figure that kind of stuff out. And then once he figures it out, understanding how you get it consistent all the time. Mm-hmm. And those things are very important. And they really have been reflected in the kind of work that he does and in the quality, the level of quality he gets from the breads. Yeah. yeah. And you said earlier about COVID and people taking shortcuts. I hadn't thought about that ever before. I've never heard anyone say that, that um, because of the constraints, financial and labor constraints on these businesses, that there is going to be, there will be more shortcuts. 
Um, it's just, it, it kind of has to happen for, for a lot of businesses. And I had not thought about the fact that quality might suffer, um, which is sad, which is really sad. Um, anyway, it's just a new, it's a whole new level of understanding with what a lockdown means for independent restaurants. And you just have to make your choices. You know, our wholesale accounts have gone down tremendously because people, you know, we're, we're not the cheapest wholesale you can get out there because of the quality of our product and the time he's handling everything manually. Everything is touched by hand. People have to make a choice whether or not they want to pay for that. And, um, when it's a time like this, maybe that's something you, go to a cheaper product for, you know. So you just have to make your choices. We, on the other hand, can't, he will not, you know, one, when he was an engineer, he was a quality engineer. So he's not going to compromise that quality. So we continue with our uh, flower purveyor, are, you know, do everything that we were doing. Um, his thing is just to see how we can save money, you know, as far as uh, waste. Like efficiencies, yeah. yeah. Efficiency, things like that. And, and like, if I can chime in, yeah. like inventory, I know has been a huge, you know, in a normal climate, you can stock up. It's kind of the na- the natural thing to do in restaurant industry is to not you don't want to run out in the middle of a rush, so you're gonna make sure you always have a lot of everything. Right. And that's definitely not been the energy um, with coronavirus. It is definitely like, what do you need this week? You know, because you don't need to be writing big checks if you're not getting a lot of that flowing. You just get what you need. The whole stocking up and just extra is like I think how we've cut back a lot is just kind of week by week shopping. Yeah. Instead of the, you know, once a month or twice a month bulk shopping. And if you're not buying in the same volume, Morgan, does that mean then that you're paying a little bit more? You know what I mean? Like if you're doing just a week's, I think a bit about it in terms of like shopping. You just shopping go to the store more. <laughs> just, <laughs> I think it's just, it's more of a laborist, you know, it, yeah. it just becomes more of an inconvenience than anything. It just means you're going to the store. Um, and I, I think you are paying more. I do think, you think so. Uh-huh. I do think you pay a little more, but you have to weigh it. You know, um, we aren't bringing in as much. Yeah. yeah. So why am I going to put stuff that is perishable right. in the refrigerator that we, we're not doing the same level of business just to save that those few cents, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that has been the thing that, uh, you know, I've, I've really had to, cause I, I'm the procurer and I'm like Miss Coupon Penny. If it, you know, I'm trying to find the savings and everything, I'll go to Costco. And I've had to learn to step back, cut back and don't worry about it. Just let it go mm-hmm. because, um, you know, it, you can't it's okay to get the cheese from Bonds sometimes, man. Right. You can't win on every level. 
I think you Penny has the perfect name for being the the saver. The, 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 right, the cheap one. The cheap <laughs> one. That's my nickname at the bakery. I tell her, I'm cheap, you guys. I'm cheap. So let's come on. You know, but you know what? I can't remember where I ate and they put 13,000 napkins in my bag. And I said, my mom would lose it if we put this many. And it was, it was wasteful. It was like, who needs this many napkins? Are you giving everybody this many napkins? You know, and then how many napkins do you go through in a month if everybody gets this many napkins? Yeah. You know? I know a so couple places like her- that. Yeah, so I appreciate you for that, Mom, because it, it adds up. Oh, for sure. If you're running a restaurant, oh my gosh, you are you are lucky to have somebody like Penny on board because yes, man, the extravagance it can go out of control. And yeah, I like that is. you you spend it on the stuff that matters. I was going to ask you about who's your flower purveyor. A Justos from South, uh, Southern uh, San Francisco. Okay, guess what. Nikki Justo is another guest on this season. Ooh, I have to watch that. Yes. You have to tell him we said hello. Yes. I will. He, uh, everybody who who cares about quality uses Justos or Central Milling, and I'm so glad he got to be on. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm one of the few folks that orders from them on the Central Coast in the amount that we do. Yeah. We, we get like a pallet maybe every month or so. Yeah. Um, pallet can be 1,500 to 2,000 pounds of flour and other products, but mostly flour, 90% flour. Yeah. So, yes, you'll have to tell them that uh, we send our best. I totally will. So, okay. so on a day-to-day basis, I mean, Penny, are you just like – floating around just taking care of whatever needs being taken care of and Morgan are you kind of more like in a managerial role um yeah I'm definitely the like what who you'll see when you come into the restaurant but you know I just work front of the house okay for sure yeah and And we send all the stuff all the paper all of the Japan (laughs) (laughs) all the receipts Morgan keeps the front of the house coordinated and definitely with the order, people ordering large orders, special orders, things like that, she's running that mm-hmm. 100%. And I am finding myself these days uh, submersed in bookkeeping, uh, taxes, mm-hmm. bills, things like that, just so Donnie can bake and Morgan can work and they're not burdened with the extra stuff. Yeah, we all need and a penny. Then, <laughs> right. And then, <laughs> and then when we need to caucus, we caucus. Oh do you? We and, do. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Nice. And uh come out team Monroe, figuring it out. Yeah. And uh, you know, we get into our little fuss fights, but we come out with a plan yeah. and a direction and every know, time <laughs> like a yeah. family owned business. Our poor employees just sit there and act like they are not watching anything. I feel for them sometimes. <laughs> I know. But this is how you work through it. It's a reality you know. show. 
for them. Yeah. A little too close, yeah. maybe. Yeah. A little too close. Um, what I know you for is you, of course, have beautiful pastries and sandwiches, but what I know you for is those baguettes. Um, do you feel like that's still your best seller? I mean, whether that's wholesale in, in the shop, is that your biggie? What would you say, Mo? You know what? I think the baguette is, is timeless. I think more than anything, what the baguette's place is in the reg- restaurant industry um, will always kind of put it as, as, a, as a primary bread because people love it for table breads, you know, in restaurant. But our sourdough line, I should call it the sourdough collection, is, <laughs> is I mean, it's top of the line. I, my personal favorite is the sourdough anise fig. It's got um, candied ginger, anise seed, uh, figs, uh, what, do you, mission figs, or what, what was the fig, Pam? He's using mission. Mission figs, yeah. Um, and we have people that special order our sourdoughs every Saturday. We, it's the only day we do it, so they want to be on top of being able to get it. Um, but then we have our brioche that is amazing for hamburger buns. A lot of the restaurants are taking it for that. Yeah. So, you know, the baguette, I think in the beginning probably was a staple, but you know, people are, seem to be down to try whatever he's, he's doing. And, uh, for the true bread enthusiast, it, it's all of it. It depends on what they're doing with it, what the event, the venue, the person, the family, it all, it all, we have had an Italian woman, Miss Betty. Um, she would come in every so every couple days for her rustic Italian, you know, and so it just depends. I I would say though that the the baguette definitely is is still great. It's uh it's everyone's favorite salad bread, that's for sure. They're always extra baguette. Extra baguette. <laughs> yeah, and there's something different about it. I don't know what it is. Maybe does he do um like um natural leavening does he let it sit out or? Oh, yeah. okay is that for all the breads well not brioche maybe um brioche um i don't know i think the brioche i think they started one day and the, and it comes out the next day it doesn't need as much retardation as like the sourdough right that's why we only make it once a week is because we really don't have the space to hold the sour sourdough every day, um, yeah. To you know, for what it needs, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the breads are all uh, either polish or they come from a mother dough or something, you know, to that degree, and um, uh, they're not quick breads, so there's nothing quick about the process. And that's what has been a, you know, people, oh, I love your bread, but can I get, you know, 10 tomorrow? But, but that's not how it works, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it's been an education really for anybody who's been involved with us. Did, right? I, did you ever, uh, encounter a dip in sales for gluten-free stuff, like for the gluten-free wave? Well... I can, I, I won't comment on the dip in sales, but I know I that was not nice of me to ask it like that. No, what no, I, no, what no, I mean is, did you ever get confronted with like, oh shoot, oh, yeah. people are asking for gluten-free all the time. And we still do. And I'm going to add, I know it's not completely relative, but it's 
slightly is I'm I'm plant based vegan. Okay. So I'm super into uh, just organic, pure, you know, clean eating. Um, one thing I know from my own personal experience, once you start getting into gluten free and you're you're basically replacing natural things with other things because you got to get that thing right. Yeah. And so our biggest Thing with the gluten-free is that we're trying to sell an organic product and once you get out of that you're you're now putting other things into your bread that unless you have celiac you know it's not really worth it to to take old world flour salt and water and replace it with xanthan gum and all these other additives however the facility itself we can't be a gluten-free because just in the air, there's too much flour in the air. You, if you left a left something out on the table, the next day you will literally could see, you know, once the bakers have been working, you can see a, a little layer of flour. Sure. I mean, it's that quick. It's that it's that present in the air. So it would be virtually impossible to really give people a gluten free, you know, product in an environment like that. And and to stay in the old world artisan realm, you'd be leaving that as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's so tricky. I mean, I have family that have celiac. I do not, but um, it's so hard for them too because they miss bread. They miss, and you know, look. Let's just say it for reals. They don't miss gluten-free bread. They miss bread bread. And that makes me very sad because nothing tastes like bread tastes. Nothing. Well, they say that the sourdough, if, you're, if you have any kind of sensitivity to anything, the sourdough is probably the best bread because of the fermentation process. But it has to be, it has to go through that process. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. It can't just be... Um, you know, a quick type of sourdough. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, the sourdough bread does have some qualities in it that help with the digestion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. A customer that actually had the disease was the one that brought it, an article and some literature in for us, mm-hmm. kind of educating us on the sourdoughs in, with that, you know, situation. So... Yeah. This has been really interesting. Yeah. And it's handy that it tastes so good. So good. Do you know how old uh, Donnie's mother is? His his mother, Doe? Uh, in the 80s. Nice. Um, one of the bakers who is still with us gave that to him. Donnie ended up, through this whole story, this is like a book. I could write a book about this whole Hush Harbor and how it, came about but he did an internship when once he decided to uh quit and do the baking and so that baker that he did the internship with gave us some mother dough that was um already probably 10 15 years old when he gave it to us so yeah yeah and they're still using that today Wow, I love that. I love stories like that. I want to take a minute to tell you a little bit about one of my sponsors. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality products and exceptional customer service. 
community-owned slow food co-op buys from local producers, ensuring they offer their customers real and sustainable food. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and environmentally sustainable packaging. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Talk to me a little bit about the name Hush Harbor. Where does that come from? Uh, Hush Harbor is, uh, we use, Hush Harbor used to be, um, a book business that we had. Oh. We used to sell books by and about African-Americans. Hmm. Um, and then it blossomed into just multiculturalism. Since there was such a void on literature and children's literature in that realm. And so um, we found the name in Lerone Bennett Jr.'s uh, The Shaping of Black America where he talked about hush harbors. And hush harbors are when uh, black folk would get together in secret and worship the Lord in a way that was comfortable for them instead of being in church on Sunday, having to worship under the master's eye. And so we, in our reading, we kind of surmise that there was probably some Afrocentric infusion with Christianity. And uh, it was a time when they would ask the Holy Spirit to come into their, their meeting. Mm. And they said many times these hush harbors would end up with the brethren going into convulsions mm. because the Holy Spirit was just that active and responsive. And so um, we decided that that would be the name, a hush harbor, where we gathered. So when we did books, we actually would have hush harbors. And um, we would come to your house, or we would have one at our house. And we ended up getting written up in the press enterprise, Riverside Press Enterprise, full page article about people trying to find the hush harbor (laughs) and we would take our books down i mean our paintings down off our walls put up paintings of from a a black artist group um and that would we would display their artwork we would have our books displayed we would have jazz wine cheese bread, um, just a real, we'd have speakers from UCR coming. Um, they would speak African-American history, um, just on anything current, even anything that was happening. And so it was a real cultural evening. You really walked away feeling like, wow, you know, those, those, some good exchanges with people, you know, uh, we would sell books, and what would end up happening is if you had a hush harbor, uh, your books, how depending on how many books we sold, we would leave you with a coffee table book. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a Tupperware 
Yeah. You know, we sold so much. <laughs> we sold so much. And and this was a little sales artist. She was like four or five years old selling books. Yeah. Reading all the books. Reading all the children's <laughs> books and selling them. What a great uh, way to grow up. Yeah. It was. Sure. It was fun. Yeah. So and we would sell these. We would do this every Thursday as well at the market night in Riverside, downtown Riverside. And we would our our tent was parked outside of Simple Simons. So uh-huh. the whole treat was to have a sandwich, grab a sandwich, dinner at Simple Simons, sit out <clears throat> and enjoy the <clears throat> excuse me. Enjoy the um, you know, conversations and talking to people and selling the book. Do you miss that? No, I didn't. Because it, it got to be a lot of work. Oh, my gosh. Um, we were asked, I was asked to come up and speak on behalf of the school board. And I mean, in Apple Valley, I mean, it got to be more than just uh, what I thought. <laughs> and I'm still working, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still working and I had kids and we had a life. So it was, you know, it was not what I saw um, as far as being able to carry it on, yeah. you know, as far as the future. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yeah. jazz and I know one of my favorite things about walking into Hush Harbor Bakery is all of the artwork on the walls um, with all the jazz, um, you know, images. And I know, Morgan, you're a musician. Did mm-hmm. that come from being surrounded by jazz and and other kinds of music at home? I'm sure. Um, I was super resentful towards jazz for the first half of my life, uh, trying to separate myself from it. And then, uh, you know, Nina Simone became the eye of my tiger and... So then what can you do? But uh, I definitely, yeah, I would say so. But my parents listened to a lot of music. My mom, you know, she was constantly playing Tony Braxton, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, Babyface. I mean, we listened to all of it. Bob Marley, I remember playing that back when, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, it's all of it. All of it. I think music in general is a huge part of our family. We have friends that grew up later and that's how they remember our home was just like always my parents had the big JBL speakers and we would just play music and clean or cook breakfast or hang out. And it was always kind of the energy of the home was music in the back. Yeah. And you are, I mean, outside of COVID what's going on now, but you are playing music all the time. You're out and about. Yeah, we, we've been doing live streams. We got really lucky. Live Oak uh, Music Festival, uh, they're uh, sponsored by KCBX. Yeah. They asked us to play. They, they asked nine bands, and we were one. So we just felt super blessed and grateful to even be on the list. Whoever made that list, I could thank them, you know, to even be considered. So we've been lucky to have opportunities here and there to stay relevant during this. And I believe we'll be at Slow Brew doing their live stream here pretty soon, too. So Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, well, so what do you think in terms of, I always like to ask about failure um, and not to be a downer, but I like to ask because it kind of helps us all, 
you know, understand that we're all in this together. We all blow it or we've all had that, you know, embarrassing moment when the spotlight was on and, you know, whether your dough fell or, um, you know, you dropped the, the tray of glasses or whatever it is. Can you think of a time that that something did not go according to plan other than starting a bakery? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I can remember once. And this is probably less than maybe two years ago. And you, you, you think that you get over, you know, people being able to jolt you because when you're new in a business and things don't go to plan, it's, it's a jolt. Everything's a jolt. And so hopefully as you get more mature in your business, things don't affect you like that. So don't get you off center. But this one day, um, our baker, one of our bakers had had a baby. His wife was having a baby. And I had to call and cancel an order because he wasn't there to do it. He's having a baby. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, uh, this person was really upset and kind of, you know, let me have it all kind of ways. I knew I shouldn't have given you guys the order. And, oh. uh, you know, I'm okay. He's having a baby. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, those kinds of things. When I find now it's just people not willing to hear themselves and understand priorities and kind of meet in the middle, mm -hmm. an unwillingness to meet in the middle. You so. just said something. I, I was surprised. I thought you were going to say um, they have to be able to hear. I thought you were going to say to hear you or to hear others. No, but you said to hear themselves. Yeah. And that is very different than even hearing somebody else. Like, would you listen to yourself? Like when your mom would say that to you, you know, would you listen to yourself? Yeah, that's a that's a fast track to maturity, I would think. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think most of us do hear ourselves hmm. in situations where you're not getting your way. Yep. And and being on the other side of that counter, being on the other side of that counter, not, not having the the a lot of the, the privileges and expectations in my life has been a good scope for me to see through and to try not to be that person when I'm out and frustrated with someone, mm -hmm. you know, I've heard before that, um, Waiters, when they go out to dinner, are the best tippers because, yeah. because they've been there and they get it. Yeah. You get it. Morgan, have you ever had any kind of flub or any kind of discomfort at Hush Harbor? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> None? Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, it's like all about just learning from clubs, you know, and that's, that's it. And just learning to shake things off, you know, being being able to just 
learn from things. That has been my biggest thing. It's something I teach. I talk to my 12 year old about a lot. You know, nobody's telling you you're not allowed to make mistakes. Nobody's telling you, you know, things can't happen. But if you don't learn from them, then there's a problem. So I think that that's just where I'm at with with it all is just rolling with the punches and learning as I go because, you know, I grew up in this industry. Um, so I have a lot of experience that, you know, but I'm still learning, you know, cause it's not a thing you go to school for. You're not ever really formally trained for, you know, a career in, in family business. So right. you just have to learn as you go. And, uh, you know, customer service, it's a, it's a rough, it's rough to play shows for hundreds of people and receive lots of love and then to show up to work and have somebody, you know, just talk to you like they're clearly having a bad day, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's taught me that, you know, I don't know if I believe in the wearing, you know, that the, the, the industry of you walk in and you can talk to people. We're all people. We're all human beings, whether I'm wearing an apron or a fire hat or a, white medical jacket we're humans and those titles shouldn't subject us to lesser than or you know we're humans we're earthlings we're the same you know and if anything in this whole experience of working in food i've learned to be human with people all the time i don't care what you do where you work you are a person to me you know, and I don't think I'm better than anybody for one second ever anywhere. And that is what I have learned from, from all of it. Or so. less than, or less than anybody too, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 That's a very so. interesting point talking about kind of being on a pedestal when you're playing music and then going into this, you know, into something where somebody's having a bad day. That's a very, those are two very different scenarios. Whiplash comes to mind. What people think is acceptable to say and how to treat and, and the idea, you know, that we kind of just have to sit and take it. It's a part of the industry and that can chip away at, at a person's soul, you know? And so it's really a business of rebuilding yourself constantly rebuilding yourself back up from things people have said or the way they've looked at you or just, you know, interactions and that you just have to internalize and talk yourself through it and keep it moving. You know? Yeah. Rebuilding is a good thing to do. I'm sure it's like a muscle. You're, you know, strengthening it every day. Yeah, that's right. And you win every, you come out stronger every time. So it's like, keep it coming. (laughs) <laughs> well, so what's next, do you think, for you all? Like, what's a goal? Um, is it just to keep doing what you're doing? Is it just to survive COVID? Is it, um, you know, you have big plans to open another place? Or what is it? I think it's probably the combination of the first two, to keep doing what we're doing and to survive COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changed this week already. We're, we take a step back backwards. Uh you know, so it's going to be this perky jerky thing. And that's new. Mm-hmm. And so we have to figure out how we maintain and just keep it going and find some consistency in that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I, I think one thing through COVID, if we've really been looking and watching and learning and taking it in, 
one of the blessings to me that I've gotten through all of this is the fact that I don't look much past today or tomorrow. Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. So, um, you know, we just, and, and the whole thing is to hold on tight to what your priority is. And our priority is family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's just get through another day and be that family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that's, that's kind of where we're at with this. Yeah. And it's kind of taken the pressure off because we don't have to think about what we're going to do in six months because we don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, if you, I ask everybody, if this were your last day on earth, you know, God forbid, but if it were your last day on earth and you were happy to celebrate your life with your, with your family, what would you want to eat last? <laughs> your eyes, Morgan. This <laughs> vegan, go ahead first. It wouldn't be an animal. <laughs> or an egg. Or an egg. Or milk. No, I would I would have somebody make me an amazing vegan cake or pie. Because <laughs> those can be pretty tasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got to change the narrative. It is good food. It's great. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Penny, what would you have? You know, I thought about this. And I think I would do our salmon patties, rice. And sautéed spinach with garlic. That's mom. That's OG. That's a good one. That's <laughs> that's a family dish. Though they've had it since they were five and four and able to sit at the dinner table. That's right. Uh, we would all make at least once a week our salmon patties with rice and butter and spinach. Fresh spinach. And garlic spinach. Garlic spinach. And so I think that's that would be my last meal. And Jamie, let me tell you, these are these are people that when I had friends over in elementary school, I'd have to be like, please don't make eggplant. Can you guys just make like sloppy joes or something? Because <laughs> they'd be like seared salmon, pan seared salmon. My friends are like, I've never had pan seared salmon. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're trying it today. Uh, These kids were eating good and they didn't know it. You can't, you know, kids. <laughs> Donnie's coming home fixing food from Europe. That was right. I you would love it know. now. Yeah. The salmon patties were like our down home throwback kind of, you know, always in the, in the pantry was a can of salmon. But, uh, you know. But isn't that funny they, that... They that's what you want. That's that I would say is the common theme across. Actually, Morgan, you're an outlier in terms of having a big cake, but I like that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's along the lines of what I would want, but everybody's is so different, but it's always something close to home and comforting and something familiar, which is really yeah. interesting because we travel the world to have these incredible meals. But what we want at the end is like a baked potato. No joke. It's like, that's what I want. What we yeah. Have. Yeah. Well, you two are lovely. I wish we had more oh, time. Oh, Jamie, you are too. Thank you so much. <laughs> of yes, course. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you. Yes. 
Thanks for tuning in to Consumed, hosted by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. You know, this season marks my 70th interview with California tastemakers, and I continue to feel lucky for getting to speak with so many cool people about flavor. As we move into 2021, please continue to lean into your local independent businesses wherever you are. They will need your support more than ever this winter. Thanks for listening and see you next time.